You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. My name is Scott Nerney. I grew up in Warwick and have been a homeowner for over 30 years in our lovely city. My goal with this podcast is to highlight what is special about Warwick and how you can get the most from our seaside community. This podcast is being presented by the Warwick Center for the Arts, located next to Warwick City Hall, where amazing artists showcase their artwork year-round in their beautiful gallery, in addition to many exciting classes for children and adults. Before I introduce our guest, I wanted to mention, if you have an idea for a guest or subject matter on Warwick Life, drop us a line at warwicklife at gmail.com. Our guest today is Ann Corvin. She is the director of the Warwick Animal Shelter. I thought it would be beneficial for our audience to learn about the organization, how they make Warwick so special, and what they have to offer our community. Welcome to the show, Ann, and thank you so much for supporting our podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Scott. I'm glad to be here. And as the director, and let me just back up a moment, I said the Warwick Animal Shelter. I, I as for years and years, referred to it as, as I think most residents do, the dog pound. And the man who comes in the little truck and takes away the, the stray animals. It is so much more than that. If you could kind of walk me through the day in the life of what happens at the Warwick Animal Shelter. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I think years ago it was the dog catcher or the dog pound. Um, nobody really gave it much thought. Um, we changed the name, you know, years ago when the... Um, the shelter actually became a separate department from animal control um, because we didn't want that stigma attached to what we do. Um, you know, a lot of people think an animal shelter is a hard, you know, they go into jail, it's a horrible place, and they're kept in these cells. And, I mean, it's not a home environment, but uh, the sheltering world has really evolved over the years. Um, and so I think for most shelters, whether it be private or municipal, um, we try to provide uh, a better um, environment for the animals to the best of our capabilities. Um, so we um, actually became a separate department um, as the shelter back in 2005, um, and animal control remained with the police department. So they don't work in the building, but we do work together, obviously, um, and it's it's worked great for the for the time that it's been happening that way. Oh, nice. And I know you have a, a relatively newer building. Uh, yep, that building, well, <laughs> not so new anymore, but it was built in 2003. Okay. Um, so, uh, yes, and if anyone's ever been to the old building, it's definitely uh, a step up from what it used to be. You know, we tried to, it's, it's brighter, you know, there's windows, um, not such a dreary kind of uh, depressing environment for the animals and for the people. I noticed when I when we went to initially have our discussion about you appearing on the podcast, there were some rooms with cats running about and, and kittens, and I thought that was a, a much better environment for them. As you say, it's not quite home, but it really is more their style of, of uh, adapting to be social with other animals and kind of have a little bit of a run. Yes, absolutely. And what we find, I mean, it keeps the stress level down, but also it gives us great information on the individual cat's personalities because you can only ascertain so much from a cage. And cats that are in a cage sometimes are defensive. They're cornered, fight or flight response. They have nowhere to go. Uh, so if they get nervous, you might not see their better side. Um, but whereas they're able to walk around in a, in a bigger area, um, we can really kind of see 
what they're like and how they interact with other cats. Um, and so it helps us place them in the best and most appropriate home for the individual cat. And I saw for dogs, there's a nice dog run nearby, like right in the parking lot where you can let dogs you know, on the leash and, and learn if they are capable of, of being a great family member, uh, how they act in the open area and get their energy out. Right, yes. That was actually donated by our volunteer group, Friends of the Warwick Animal Shelter. They paid to have that um, pen installed. And it's been great because uh, it serves as a, a great meet and greet kind of area. And also, you know, in the nice weather, we put the dogs out there by themselves and they'll just hang out in the sun uh, or the staff or volunteers will go in and play with them. Um, so, again, I, you know, for us at least, and like I said, I think for most shelters it's this way, they're not necessarily in their cages 24 hours a day anymore. You know, they go out for walks. They go in the pen. Um, for us, I have crates in the office that I do move them in so they can be with people and also a crate trains them. So if an adoptive family wants to continue that, it's, the work is already done. So would you say the mission and goal of the animal shelter is to be an interim uh, yes. transition home? Yes. I mean, we, we want to provide the best environment that we're able to for the time an animal is there, whether it's up for adoption or it's in there for a quarantine or whatever, um, we feel that w for whatever reason the animal is in the shelter, they should be provided with the best care that we, we are able to give them. And typically in a normal year, obviously COVID's kind of played around a lot with, with many statistics, but how many animals do you typically adopt out in a year? Um, well, I can tell you our numbers for 2020 on the number of animals that we've gotten in. And I have to say, I mean, I've been at this for 22 years. And for the first uh, few years in this field, our numbers were uh, crazy. I mean, I remember, you know, 600 and something dogs, 400 and something cats. Um, and now last year, our numbers were 155 dogs and roughly 45 cats. So um, now in terms of adoptions, um, I don't have those stats in front of me, but we sure. have a high adoption rate. And so I think for, and it's, I, I don't think it's just us. I think that most of the shelters in the state kind of operate simili similarly so that they're uh, really trying to, to adopt out those animals they feel are safe to adopt out. Um, so we, we also have a high return to owner rate. And I think uh, that is definitely due to social media because I started to see a huge increase in the number of animals uh, returned to owners, even cats, which we were lucky if we had one cat returned to owner in a year, um, years ago. But now, you know, if you lose your animal, you see it online, you call the shelter, um, you know, it's, it's just really been instrumental in, on helping us get the animals back to their owners. So talk to me a little bit about how your role stepping in on that to, to rehome the the animals who have been lost or picked up and then uh, it, it kind of reminds me of a story and, and my wife's family tells that uh, I guess her aunt pulled in a stray cat and had it for quite some time before she realized it was the neighbor's cat it wasn't really a stray it just wandered over the house so a lot of times that happens but I, I understand that microchipping is helping a lot Yes, um, and I and we actually have started doing it at the shelter um, for people who you know want to get their cats and dogs microchipped, um, and I think 
you know, cats, there's no leash law on cats, so they're free roaming. I think for people, they see dogs running loose. Obviously, somebody calls because everybody knows dogs aren't supposed to be running loose. Um, but for cats, it's a little tricky because they are allowed to run loose. So, you know, we don't necessarily take in a cat just because somebody sees it walking around. If it looks good and it looks healthy, um, you know, we'll tell people to keep an eye on it or we'll post a picture of it on our Facebook page to see if, you know, anyone lost the cat. But yes, um, it's actually a Rhode Island state law that cats are supposed to wear identification, whether it be a tag or a, a microchip. Um, and I have to tell you that it definitely is providing the microchip is actually registered, which is a different issue. But uh, if it's registered, yes, it definitely is recommended because um, a lot of cats don't keep collars on. People are worried about them hanging themselves. So um, the microchip's a good alternative to that uh, because if the cat ends up in a shelter or an animal hospital, we will be able to find you. And you do those there at the shelter for people? We do. And roughly how much is that? So it's $20, and that includes the registration um, for the microchip. So if someone's animal, even if it's, say, that they go on a trip someplace and they take the animal and it gets loose, or if it crosses over a city line or it's brought to an animal shelter or animal hospital if there was an injury, they could scan it with a microchip reader and know exactly where the where the animal belongs and contact the owner? Absolutely. Assuming that the information you know, phone number, address, owner's name is kept current. One of the problems we do see with microchips is a lot of people will rehome their animals and the new uh, owner doesn't transfer the information over to them. And then it becomes a problem because, you know, that person may not even know who they gave the dog to and we can't locate them. So okay. that is the one thing I would caution people about. Um, if your animal is chipped, you need to make sure it is registered to you. So folks out there, if you're listening and you're interested in having a animal microchip, give the shelter a call. Their phone number is 401-468-4377, and they would be more than happy to have your animal chip. So if there is ever an issue, they can help you locate your animal and get it back to you. Um, I think it's a fantastic opportunity to, to keep your animal safe. And while we're talking about that, why are most animals brought to the shelter and how can families better prepare uh, to not have that happen? Well, there are different reasons that animals come to the shelter, but the most popular reason seems to be that they're moving into another rental um, unit and they're not allowed to take the animal with them. Um, or uh, lately I've been getting calls um, for a lot of small animals, rabbits, guinea pigs, that people got them and, you know, their kids aren't taking care of them anymore and they don't want to keep them. Um, and so they want to, you know, rehome them. Um, so, I mean, what I would say is no matter what animal you're adopting uh, or purchasing, and of course I always advocate for adopting, so even if you are interested in getting a rabbit or a guinea pig, you know, there are shelters that have them up for adoption. And a lot of times, especially with bunnies, they're already fixed, which is huge um, because there's a lot of times people think they have two females or two males, and they don't, and then they have bigger <laughs> problems. Um, but I would just caution anyone getting any pet to really think about what it involves to care for the animal. And if you're getting a pet for your kids, I think you always need to assume that you're going to be the one taking care of it. Because it's, you know, with most kids, I don't think it's uncommon that as they get older, you know, they go out with their friends and they may lose interest in caring for their pet. And, um, and then it's going to fall on mom or dad. 
Um, so I, I would definitely suggest just really thinking it through. Um, and even with people who rent, you know, I tell people a lot of times, think about um, maybe the size of the animal you're getting or uh, unfortunately the breed because there are a lot of um, insurances that don't cover certain breeds and in return landlords don't want them on the property. Um, but, you know, even if you're in a position now in an apartment that allows you a pet, uh, you know, of a certain breed or a certain size, and you, ha you should have to move, you may not be able to find a place easily that will allow you to take that pet with you. And that's unfortunate because then they end up at a shelter, and a lot of times they're older, um, and they're harder to find homes for, and the, the animal is kind of just uprooted from what it's known for the last 10 years, and it's, you know, it's really not fair to them. Do you also do fostering of pets? We, we do occasionally. We don't have a need for it the way we used to years ago. You know, years ago, population was such an issue with dogs um, and cats, and it still is to some extent with cats. But with dogs, we've really, um, really seen a downward trend over the last several years with the population of dogs, and that's due to, uh, you know, spay-neuter laws and ordinances and people just generally being more responsible, I think. So nowadays, um, we don't really have a need for fostering as much. We have plenty of room, and we provide more um, kind of stimuli for the animals, so we're able to keep them a little longer. Um, and because it can be difficult with foster homes sometimes to just coordinate viewing the animal. So, you know, if you have them in the shelter, it's easier to have people come in, you know, during business hours and just look at the animal rather than trying to coordinate it with somebody at their at their home or to meet at a park or, you know, whatever. But yeah, to answer your question, we do it. We just don't do it that often anymore. And I noticed when I went on the, the website, you do a fantastic job of having what animals are available through, I guess it's a third party service that shows the dogs and cats that are available at the shelter to adopt. Yes, that's a pet finder. And we've been using that site for many years. Um, and, and we try to provide as much information as we can for most of the animals up there, um, you know, in the little comment section to, to give people kind of uh, as much info as we have on the animal so they know whether it's an animal they should pursue um, an adoption on or, you know, if it's not suitable with children or other animals, whatever. And what's the typical cost to adopt a new family member? Um, for cats, it's between 100 and 115, and that includes uh, the animals spayed or neutered, vaccinated, uh, FELV, and FIV tested, which is feline leukemia and um, feline AIDS, and microchipped. Uh, for dogs, it's anywhere from 150 to 195, and it includes the same thing, um, you know, spayed or neutered, vaccinated, heartworm tested, and microchipped. So you're getting an animal, not just a stray that someone brought to the shelter and then you sent back out. It's actually an animal that's in good health, up-to-date records, ready to go, uh, and, and join the family, which I think is a huge plus. You know, you're, you're getting a, a safe and healthy animal. Right. And we get, you know, unfortunately these days, uh, we are getting a lot more senior animals in. Um, and animals that are, uh, you know, have some medical issues that need to be addressed before, you know, we put them up for adoption. Um, you know, and, and that's been happening for the last, you know, a couple of years, I would say. We've really had an increase in those animals. And it, you know, the problem is it costs a lot of money to do what needs to be done to make those animals healthy. Um, so we do rely on uh, donations for that because the city 
I don't have that in my budget, you know, to pay for that kind of stuff. And we don't expect people who adopt animals to have to cover the cost of that, obviously. Um, so donations um, are a huge help um, with that, with, with covering those items. And I know, speaking of donations, uh, I, I definitely wanted to speak to you. I know you have some fundraisers throughout the year to, to try to help defray some of the costs of the shelters. Can you speak to those a bit? Yep. Um, our uh, volunteer group, Friends of the Warwick Animal Shelter, runs most of our fundraisers. Uh, we do things like um, we have the oh, well, we have the car show, which is our biggest uh, fundraiser. That's in June. Um, we usually have uh, breakfast in the spring. We have our uh, dog walk, um, our Halloween party, and um, I think we normally do another uh, craft-type fair in the spring. So, you know, that helps pay for a lot of this, you know, these medical expenses. Um, and the volunteer group is really looking for volunteers to help out with those events um, with, you know, ahead of time preparations for the events, um, whether it be making signs or uh, making phone calls or putting signs up or picking things up prior to the event. Um, and, and they're also looking for volunteers to help at the actual events. And they have a Facebook page, and it's under Friends of the Warwick Animal Shelter. Um, and so if you uh, are interested in helping out and you go to that Facebook page, um, there is you know, you can message them, you can post a question. Uh, there's more than likely an email address on that page as well, um, if you would prefer that method of contact. I mean, you can always call the shelter and I can forward, uh, you know, your information over to the appropriate person. That sounds great. It's a lot of good opportunities to, to help the, the pets and the families that are going to be adopting family members. Is there anything else that you wanted to let our audience know about? No, um, I think that um, people just uh, keep the shelters in mind. And I know we get a lot of uh, support, especially during the holidays, people that want to donate items and monetary donations. And, um, I, you know, for every – the state of Rhode Island has a shelter in almost every town. So, um, And there are private shelters as well. So I would just say um, for people to just kind of keep the shelters in mind, your local shelter, wherever you live, and um, reach out to them to see what they need um, because most of us do rely heavily on donations to operate the way that we, we are able to. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention where you're located. It's off of Jefferson Boulevard. If you want to give a little general yep. guidelines as to whereabouts that is? It's uh, right off Jefferson Boulevard uh, next to the D'Angelo's Sandwich Shop uh, down that street. The actual, the name of the street is Arthur W. Divine Boulevard, and we are right at the end next to the sewer treatment plant. Um, and our hours are uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, 12 to 4. We're closed on Thursday, and then Saturday and Sunday, 11 to 3. Um, and we are closed on holidays. Great. So if someone's working during the week, there's great op opportunity on Saturday and Sunday to come down to the, to the shelter and take a look at their next family member. Right. Great. Thank you to Ann for spending some time with our audience today and sharing insights on Warwick life. It's a great time to be in Warwick. For those not living the Warwick life, come pay us a visit and see what we have to offer. Thank you very much. That wraps up another edition of Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. If you have any comments, content suggestions, or questions, drop us a line 
at warwicklife at gmail.com. Thank you to Tester Manuelian for our lead-in in closing music. She's a music major with an incredible career ahead of her. Lastly, don't forget to check out Warwick Center for the Arts at warwickcfa.org. See you next time. You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island.